In a moment, uh, Dave Bruce is going to come and uh, share some with us, for us, and allows the, the cops go around and say, in Christ alone.
speak personally, I know what it's like to have a chapter of your Christian life with the Flemings. And it is a very, very special chapter of your lives that you've been able to have with them for many years. I've only been here a couple of times, but every time I'm with Andy and Tammy, I hear incredible things about how this church is not only growing, but how it's maturing and how it's becoming more and more of the church that really honors God and glorifies Him. So just take some time in the next few weeks to think about this chapter. Think about where things were when the, when the Flemings arrived. Think about the kids that were not in church. Think about the families that uh, you know, came back around. Think about the, the, the things that you grieve together. I know you've been through difficulties, through losses, but that is what family does. And i just uh, really just grateful for you for being such a great family for them and welcoming them and, uh, and following them for these past several years. But I also know that that equips you to go on to an amazing next chapter in your Christian walk. So uh, again, I just want to say a special uh, thanks for the Flemings, what they've been to me, and what they've been to this church as well. So let's clap for something like that. They just scared me from crying in front of all of you. Okay, thank you very, very much. Okay, so um, it is a joy to be here. I was talking with Claire earlier, and uh, you're very welcome as well for the California weather that I brought with me. Uh, I hope I don't take it with me tomorrow, but we'll see how it goes. All right? But uh, I want to talk about something kind of serious today. I want to talk about an issue that affects every single person in this room. I want to talk about something that affects every single person on this planet. Whether you are a Christian or not, this affects you. Now, like Andy and Tammy have mentioned, I'm not, I've recently become a minister on staff with our church uh, there in Los Angeles, but I'm also a counselor. And I work with both Christians and non-Christians alike, either in the clinical setting or in my private practice. And what I've noticed is that it doesn't matter. <laughs> faith or no faith, you deal with this issue that I want to talk about today. And that issue is shame. Let me tell you a little bit about the rules of shame. Here's how shame works. Everybody has it. It's universal. You have it. Everyone in your family has it. Your grandparents had it. Everybody has this, right? And 
no one talks about it. So, let's take a 30 second break right now and talk to your neighbor about something that you're ashamed of. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> you feel that, right? shame works. You have it, you feel it, you get all the consequences of it, but you don't dare talk about it. And finally, the less you talk about it, the more power that you give it. Uh, We just recently were studying with a young gentleman, he's probably in his mid-twenties, and uh, we just finished the the conflict or the uh, the sin study. Remember the sin study? Yeah. Yeah. So, we finished this whole night, and it was so amazing at the end of it. He said, this is really bizarre. I was dreading this conversation for four or five days. Because I have never, in my entire life, ever told people I know or tell people I don't know about stuff that I'm incredibly ashamed of. But I don't get it. I just told you guys the worst things in my life, and yet I feel free. And the reason is, is because he broke the rules of shame. He's known, and he is loved. That is how we get out of the grasp of shame. Look at this definition. The definition of shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. That's a profound way to look at it. And this can happen in any setting. It can happen at your job. It can happen at school. It can happen in your own home. It can happen at church. Just, it can be a subtle thing. It can be how someone looks at you. It can be what someone says. It can be something that you read, and you'll get that painful feeling that you don't belong, or you're not accepted in some form or fashion. Everybody deals with this. But what is the solution? That's what I want to talk about today. What is the solution to shame? Could it be sympathy? Whenever you're going through a hard time, don't you love it when people feel sorry for you? See, you have to think about it for a second. I think I like it. No, I don't like that. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it's like they're trying to do something, but it doesn't. It doesn't work for some reason. You know, don't, don't you love people having pity on you? Ouch. Because really, what is it? It's kind of saying, look, you're going through that thing, and I'm glad that you over there are going through that. And I'm glad I'm over here not going through that, but I really feel for you. I don't think that's the answer. Maybe it's empathy. Maybe it's empathy. Has anyone ever in your life empathized with you? You know, they they were kind of with you. They, They felt what you were going through in some degree or fashion, right? Now, empathy is a lot different. And uh, I'm going to give us a, a choice right now. I can show you either a three-minute video clip to explain the difference between sympathy and empathy, or 
we can add 30 extra minutes to my message today. I think you want the video, right? Okay, Alright, so now you guys are even more enthusiastic about the clip. Because you just saved 30 minutes of your Sunday. This is awesome. Alright, so I want us to watch this clip, and I think you will find it very, very helpful and very, very insightful. Here we go. So what is empathy, and why is it very different from sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective-taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space where someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, huh? Uh, no. You want a sandwich? Empathy uh. is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I have it, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to still align it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put this little line in that. So, I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. Okay. Yeah, that was a lot better than what I could do. Let's go through that. Okay, that was Dr. Brene Brown. She's one of my uh, heroes of late. She's spent about 12 years basically just studying shame and has figured out some profound things. But definitely empathy is, I think, the direction we have to go. The opposite of shame is connection. Shame is that painful feeling of feeling you don't connect. You don't belong. You're not enough. And what I loved about that video is it made some really incredible truths very, very clear about our faith. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Do you see connection here? 
complete, perfect connection. But then what happened? The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, I love these visuals because I think Jesus is like that bear who came down to our sacred place and decided to be with us. Truly with us. You know, there is a Greek word that is often translated sympathy and sometimes it's translated as empathy. I believe sympathy is an incorrect translation because the original Greek word literally means to suffer along with. To suffer along with. So look at this in Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Interesting the word ascended, right? Again, confirming that he came down here to be with us. And it says here that we can hold firmly to the faith. Why can we hold firmly to the faith? But don't we also pick other options? We sort of occasionally hold our faith. Or we hold on our faith on Sundays. Or we hold on our faith when I'm around other people. But it says here we can hold firmly to this faith. Why? Because we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. We have a high priest who is able to suffer along with you. That's incredible. That's incredible. And it's interesting for Jesus. Not only are we guilty... Right? We're guilty. We've, we have sin. We have sin. And he offers us forgiveness. So not only does he suffer with us, but he embraces us and says, not only this, I'm going to suffer for you. Because there was a consequence. There is always a consequence to sin. That's why we can't minimize it. That's why we can't be quiet about it and be tricked by shame to stay alone in it. Because that is what sin does. It disconnects us. It is the result of being disconnected from God. So think about this. God God has offered us this incredible gift and Jesus wants to suffer along with you, but we don't always want that gift. We want a sandwich. We want a sandwich. 
God, thank, thank you. I really appreciate, God, what you're wanting to do. I, I appreciate that you did so much, that you gave your son, that you let him live here, that he taught and did all these wonderful things, and that he died and rose from the dead. I appreciate all of that, but I really just don't want to suffer. So I'll settle for a sandwich. But we're not talking about sandwiches. We're talking about things that we do to alleviate the pain that we feel when we experience shame or when we experience disconnection. Here's my list. These are all my sandwiches. These are all the things that I went to to try and not feel the pain of disconnection. Some of these I started very, very early. Lust, pornography, all those things. I was going through a really painful thing as an adolescent. And when I was around arguments and fighting and hopelessness, that was not comfortable. But I didn't have anyone to suffer along with me. So I chose sin. I chose something to distract from that pain. I want to speak to the men for just a second. Men, we have to be very careful. We live in a society that tells men that we must be pain avoidant. Pain resistant. If you feel pain, you need to go the other way. Right? But that's wrong. Real men understand and can live with pain. You point at any man in this church with character, I guarantee you, they went through pain. They didn't avoid it. They didn't avoid it. So we have to be very, very careful that we understand not just that sin is wrong, but we need to understand why we sin. And shame is a really big answer. When you feel disconnected, when you feel not enough, I believe shame is Satan's love language to you. I want to convince you that you're not enough. I want to convince you that you can't change. I want to convince you to never, ever talk about these things that I use to keep you disconnected from God. And it's deceit. It's a lie. The opposite of shame is empathy. But if we choose empathy, based on how we're looking at it today, it means that we have to be willing to feel pain. Is it hard to resist temptation? Is it hard not to gossip at work? Is it hard, you know, not to turn your head in public? Is it hard to say no to food when I'm going to food for the wrong reasons? It's hard. But that again is what is so amazing about the gift that God is constantly giving us. I gave you my son. I gave you the spirit that wants to suffer with you. And guess what? When you go through pain, you come out the other side different. Mm -hmm. 
Your faith is different when you go through trials. Does anyone here go to the gym? Okay. I think I just struck another shame issue. Sorry. But think about this. Men, you get this. And ladies, I'm sure you do as well. But think about it. What we love about the gym, I, I'm just saying this is my family. We just joined the gym about three months ago. So I'm, I'm in a lot of pain right now. But anyway, my daughter dragged me to my first Zumba class. I did not know what Zumba was until I was in the middle of this chaos with, with salsa music. It was crazy. Anyway. But here's the thing. What do we like about gyms? We like gyms because at gyms we can control the pain. Yeah? So this week I'm going to do 30 pounds of pain, man. I'm going to do 30 pounds of pain because on the other side of that I will be stronger, I will be healthier, I will be better. And then if I like that, if I choose next week, I'm going to go for 50. Right? Because who's in control of that whole game? We are. And we like that. But we need to understand that someone else is divinely in charge of your life. Every trial, God has a purpose. Anything that's uncomfortable, you know what? God most likely has a plan. He has a way. But if we choose not to go to that pain, we will go to shame and all of our sandwiches and all of our vices and all of our sins that simply multiply pain. It's called solving problems with problems. That's what sin is. It is solving real problems in an inauthentic way. And they don't work. And they produce greater pain, greater disconnection. Healing is not the absence of pain. But see, I want my form of healing. My form of healing is I don't want to feel any pain. I do not want to feel uncomfortable. I just I just want to be healed already, God. But that is not what healing is. Healing is not the absence of pain. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. I'll never forget a friend of mine. She went through years of just heartbreaking circumstances with her family. Her kids just went through some really painful things. It just, I don't know how she made it, but I know at the bottom of it, she turned to someone and said, I just had to decide that God is enough. That's profound. Not a remedy, not not a solution, not a fix. No, God has to be enough. Or as she said in the video, a response. Who's going to give that woman the right response so she doesn't feel that pain as much? God is enough. So what is the solution to shame? It's not sympathy. But you know what? I'm not even sure it's empathy. 
Empathy is feeling with someone. But Jesus did so much more than feel with us. See, I think Jesus is the answer to shame. He's the answer to shame for every single person in this room. He is the answer to shame for every single person in this town. He is the answer to shame for this entire world. Because God chose to love the world so much, not to shame it, that He gave His one and only Son. That is the answer. Have you ever... uh, read this passage in 1 Corinthians? Do you use this in here in weddings? It shows up in almost every wedding. I think it was in my wedding, if I remember correctly. Okay. And it's really nice, and you know, love is patient, love is kind. You know the whole thing, right? And it doesn't that feel good? I mean, love is patient. Isn't that nice? And comfortable, and pleasant, and yes, I should be patient. But when you look at the Greek... A more accurate translation of that specific introduction to Paul's list of all these qualities of love is this. Love suffers long and is kind. So, let's use this one at the next wedding. (laughs) Husband, are you ready? You're going to suffer long, my friend, okay? But no, this is what real love is. It's not, come on, patience, yes, I get it. But it's about, do I understand correctly what pain, what suffering is about? What it's for? Anyone who's been with you in a painful situation, hung in there with you, I guarantee you, those are the closest relationships you have. Not the people that said what you needed to hear, made it a little easier, or fixed it for you. Mm -mm. People that suffer long with you, those are friends. And those are friends that are actually doing what Christ is doing all the time for you. Suffering long with you. I want to leave you with just a couple of conversation questions. This is sort of how we end our messages and turning points. Just, we hope that a sermon is only the beginning. What's most important are the conversations after a message that lead to connection. So the first one is the presence of God your choice for healing? Is it your choice for healing? I, uh, I was at clinic a week ago, and I got up, I had tooth pain and a little sleep. I was in pain. I was not doing well, all right? But I realized, so I, as soon as I got up, I thought, okay, I got I to gotta be at work in 35 minutes, and I got to be So I just started thanking God for every single thing that was happening in that morning. God, thank you that I can stand up. God, thank you that the light in the bathroom works. Thank you, Father, that warm water works. And I'm taking this shower right now. Oh, by the way, thank you that my body is working. 
Thank you for the 32 other teeth that are not in pain. I'm serious, people. you got to get crazy with this stuff. The presence of God, believe me, it's big enough. But is it enough? We have to choose the presence of God. And next, are there long-suffering opportunities in your life that need connection? Not situations that need a response, but situations that just need that connection. Like we saw in the video. Maybe somebody just needs to be heard. Not felt sorry for, not sympathized with, but just to be with them. To suffer long with them. Even in our prayer request today that I saw on the screen earlier, a lot of amazing opportunities to truly love and connect with some people. Let's close with a prayer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Dear God, uh, thank you so much for your incredible plan for our lives. God, thank you so much that you have blessed us with a relationship, God, that is so beyond our understanding sometimes. And yet, God, requires our imagination to even grasp how incredibly generous and perfect your gift is. God, I pray for every person here today to feel victories this week over shame. That when they feel those painful moments of being disconnected or feeling like they're not in the group or in the crowd or whatever, that God, they will take that moment and take that cue to say, you know what? God, you're with me right now. And the funny thing is, God, you've been near us all of our lives. You've been near when we were kids. You were near every day we were growing up. You were near during all the things that were hard, the things that were wonderful. God, you've always been near. Thank you for that. But God, give us the ability to recognize you more often in all circumstances, God. To see how incredibly blessed we are so that we can truly be a joyful light to this world who is stuck in shame and all of its options. Thank you for the role that we have in this earth. Thank you so much for choosing us. Thank you so much for the forgiveness that you've given us, God, and the direction you've given us of where we can go. We love you. We thank you for the connection that we have for your incredible son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.